Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're uh, stepping away from the dumb rules and talking a little bit more about the history around sports and athletics. Today we're talking about the NBA draft of 1984, one of the most historical drafts. Uh, Many people probably know the figurehead of this draft, which is Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Charles (laughs) Barkley. We also have John Stockton in this draft. So Definitely a loaded draft, and to be cool, just to revisit it, we were talking about this for a little bit, so we'll see where it takes us, and today we're going to try to redraft it as well and see which players we think are the best who should have been ranked number one or take that number one pick all the way down through the lottery, which is the first 14 picks of the draft. I wanted to ask you just before we get started, um, what are your memories of some of these players in this draft? Like, Do you recognize any of these names that jump out to you more so than drafts in past. Yeah, I recognize a lot of these <laughs> names. I remember watching a lot of these guys on TV. Um, of course, Jordan. Um, it was it was just ridiculous how good he was compared yeah. to everyone yeah. else. And we see that today with some players in the NBA. But honestly, he was so much better than everyone else. Um, once he got to the NBA, keep that in mind too. That when Jordan was in college, I mean, he was a good player, but he yeah. wasn't a he wasn't like a Shaq or somebody who was clearly the number one pick or anything like that so yeah um but Olajuwon I mean a lot of these names um Sam Bowie is like <laughs> one of those accidentally well-remembered names yes too. yes he's the punchline of every Michael Jordan joke right yeah Sam it feels Bowie. like we bring him up at every draft <laughs> yes so and just to kind of play off of what you just said about Michael and being a very good player at North Carolina Mm-hmm. Sam Perkins is in this draft. Like yes. he was playing on a real contender that won a national title. Yep. Uh, March Madness back then. So this was something that, at least on my notes, I wanted to make sure I brought up at least with you of. There was still taboo about taking, a shooting guard first overall or high in the draft, and this is one of the first times that's broken. Yes, and it, people that know the NBA today, it was such a different game back then. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was almost, a, I mean, it was, you can't even compare the two back then. It was a lot about the big man inside. It was much slower game than you see today. Yeah. Um, so you're right. Taking a shooting guard or taking a guard, whether it's a point guard or shooting guard in general, high in the draft really wasn't done. I mean, teams wanted the big seven footer inside man who can, just you know, kind of take up space and and score thirty points a game. So yeah, um, so it was it was it was kind of a turning point maybe in the NBA this draft because it really brought in a lot of talent that you normally didn't see up until then. Yeah, this is one of the first times we have a foreign player go first overall. Yes, with Hakeem Olajuwon, um, <clears throat> Michael Jordan in in its own way being very foreign. He was a player we had never seen before. Right, uh, and then a lot of guards are going towards the top of this draft. And of course, Charles Barkley is kind of his own animal in this draft. He goes fifth overall to Philly. uh, And quite simply put, people thought he was too heavy to play. He was too fat to play. And a lot (laughs) of the nicknames we're going to go over in this draft about him are not PC by today's culture. But the idea was, and his former coach at Auburn basically was, if you want to be on the court, you've got to lose 30 pounds and you've right. got to be under that 280 because at one point he's over 300 pounds before oh, this draft. My gosh. And he's just running the court back and forth. And the story is his coach puts a garbage can on each side, each baseline of the court, which is the furthest line. It's the line underneath the basket for right. those that need help visualizing. So there's a trash can underneath each basket. 
And so he just runs back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until he throws up. And there's a can on both sides because they don't know which one he's going to throw up at. That's so funny. And that's how he got into the understanding of, okay, I'm just going to have to do this until I make this weight. Wow. Um, And I guess, you know, because this is more of us just getting a chance to talk through this draft because definitely one of my favorite times of the year is draft season. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the winners of this draft who isn't drafted in this but certainly legacy was improved was Moses Malone because Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, Charles Barkley credits him for being the guy that helped him become a professional as well as Dr. J. Uh, So this draft, just like you said, it's a historical turning point. It has a ripple effect throughout the NBA and kind of is the unofficial start of the modern day NBA uh, because it's David Stern's first draft who really Mm -hmm. took the NBA to the place that we know it now where Adam Silver can kind of run it and be a far more, um, glossy league yes. for lack of a better word right. so really exciting draft just before we jump in we have a couple of rules basically the rule is me and greg are going to trade off picks so greg you're starting with the first pick myself second you will take the third i will take the fourth so back and forth and we're going to review our top 14 players out of this draft we are not taking into account what the team and the status of that team was like at the time for example With Portland, they really needed a big man. We're not going to be thinking about that right now. Spoiler alert, though, I think you know we'll probably be taking a big man. Um, (laughs) On top of that, we are allowed some creative license to say what if and what not uh, because there are some players in this draft that ultimately didn't get a chance in the NBA that probably if the rules were just a little bit different, we'd be thinking of these players in the same breath as Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan or maybe slightly below that. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But allow some creative license. We are going to be drafting uh, one and then the other. And then at the end of the podcast, if you feel the will, we'd love to see your version of this draft. Send it in to our email at info at thatsadumrule.com. We'll be excited to hear from you. But, Greg, let's get things kicked off. All right. I have the first pick overall. Yeah, you're on the clock. I'm on the clock, yes. (laughs) So um, no surprise. Um, I am definitely going to take Otis Thorpe. No, just kidding. (laughs) For name only. Yeah, right. Um, So obviously Michael Jordan, um, he played 15 years in the league. Um, One thing I didn't know that you showed me or told me today was he actually retired twice. Yeah, I thought he just retired once to go play baseball, then came back and then was yeah. Then so was it. it was yeah. up to three because he retired in '94. Okay, um, after the gambling scandal, which is not linked by most regard, but right. still, it was that kind of turning point that said, you know what, I'm tired of ba- uh, basketball. My father passed. I'm going to retire and play for the boss or for the Barons. Right. Excuse right. me. After he came back in '95. He played the final three years, which was those three titles from uh, 96, 97, 98, retired because they wanted to blow the Bulls up. And that's the documentary of The Last Dance. The Last Dance, right. So I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it because it's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. But Michael was just released by the Bulls and retired <laughs> and didn't play for about another two years, if I remember, okay. and came out of retirement and played for the Washington Wizards. Right. I remember which, that. Yes. And you'll probably remember deep cut mariah carey wore a michael jordan's dress when she was like blowing up and it's like the the ugliest teal (laughs) wizards jerseys i've ever seen but i just think it was hilarious timing but michael like you cannot say enough about how important he was to the league and still is right now just to go over some credentials 
He is a Hall of Fame player. He's got six titles to his name, 14 All-Star appearances. He was an All-Star for almost every single year he was in the league. He played 15 years. The only year he wasn't was the year he unretired from baseball. Um, He was a 10-time scoring champion, three-time steel champ, which goes unrecognized. He was an amazing defender. 11-time All-Star, or 11-time All-NBA, for those that don't know. All-NBA is an award that players get when they are the top position in the league. And there's three teams. There's three tiers of All-NBA. So he was a top three shooting guard every single year he was in the league, or almost every single year. Um, Rookie of the year, of course. Many remember that he was hurt his first year and actually almost beat the Celtics by himself. When I do he, remember that. Um, yes. I actually believe it was the second year, but yeah, I, I won't hold myself to that. Yep. Uh, and then nine-time all-defense. Again, tremendous defender, five-time MVP, and six-time finals MVP. So an incredible case for Michael to be the greatest of all time. He averaged 30 points in his career, 30.1, six rebounds, and five assists. <clears throat> Uh, and then, of course, the, we have some extra notes here in front of me. But just an incredible career overall, and he's one of those guys that I, I think, fortunately enough, he will always be remembered for being how great he actually was, and the numbers will back that up. Right. There's certain players like Bob Pettit that just aren't going to be remembered for what they actually meant. So he's secured. And my my favorite stat that you just read off is yeah. his nine times all-defensive player. Because yeah. everyone thinks Michael Jordan's scorer. Yeah. I mean, the the... You know, the dunks from the free throw line and stuff like that. That's all awesome, of course. But he was a great defensive player. Oh, my gosh. He might have been one of the best perimeter defenders we'd ever seen. And then Scottie Pippen was next to him, who was just amazing. And if folks want to just take, like, a quick tour away from the normal Michael Jordan storylines, like The Last Dance and The Bulls, go watch the Dream Team documentary where – it's him and Scottie Pippen are playing against Kukoc. And Kukoc is this Croatian player that just got drafted by the Bulls. Right. And he's being played to by, like, the prodigal son. Like, this is the new toy. This is what the Bulls need. And it's like, we've won you a championship already. Yeah. What are you doing right. drafting this guy? Like, we're enough. Yeah. They go in and they shut Kukoc down. Wow. And it's, they don't even think about scoring. You know, there's plenty of scoring on the Dream Team. Sure. They just play defense. And they crank it up to an 11. And it's amazing because wow. we don't think about that in the Olympics or in professional basketball anymore. Right, anymore, right? No. So Yeah, that's that's amazing. And the question I always have about this, yeah. and you see this with other players too, but you know, Jordan was, like I said, he was a good college player. Yeah. He was above average, He was, yeah. but he wasn't lights out. Like, no, oh he knew gosh. his role. So what what changed? What Did he, did he get bigger? Did yeah. he have better coaching when he got to Chicago? What made him become amazing (laughs) well i think one of the famous lines and correct me if i'm wrong but the only person that can hold michael jordan down is dean smith his college coach (laughs) right the only guy that could stop him from getting 30 is his actual coach because he'd sit him on the bench but i think it was actually the opposite with coaching the tether was taken away from michael when he got into the league and he was just allowed to run rampant right and there were these bigger slower guys yeah. And he was just allowed to be himself. Right. Whereas in the college setting, there were very defined roles. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about Perkins here in a little bit. He was on that UNC team, and he had a very defined role. So yeah. I think that Michael, it was just right place, right time, freak athlete amongst athletes that just weren't that far down the line of development yet. Right. Plus, his fundamentals are perfect yeah. in every sense of basketball. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite Jordan story, I, re- I remember hearing this. I can't remember where, but it was probably 10 years ago, maybe longer. 
but it was when Jordan, after he retired the first time and he came back to the Bulls, right? Yeah. And the story goes that he was in the locker room, first game back. He's playing in Chicago at United Center. Is that yeah, where they play? Yeah. yeah, United Center. And he's in the locker room and he's, he's a little nervous, right? Because it's his first game back after retiring. And he was sitting next to, I don't know if it was Pippen or somebody. And... And he's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of nervous. And he's like, do you think, do you think the coach is going to start me? And Pippen <laughs> looks over, and I think it was Pippen. He looked over and said, Michael, if you have a statue of yourself outside the building, you're going to start. <laughs> it was like, okay, I guess so. Yeah. So. yeah just perfectly like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course you're going to start. And yeah. I, I forgot to mention one thing that you brought up and I promise this will be our last thing about Jordan because okay. otherwise we could talk about <laughs> we him could all talk night. About, like yeah, he, right. he's that amazing. But one of the things that really changed Jordan that we don't get to talk about as much is the bad boy Pistons. Like there was this narrative in the league as it was with big men going first in the draft that you had to beat the champion in your division. So for many, it was the Boston Celtics or the Lakers. Right. And then uh, when the Detroit Pistons wanted to win the championship, they had to beat the Celtics and the Chicago Bulls had to beat the bad boy Pistons who were infamously like their name, very physical, very they tough. Were, yeah. They were bad boys. Yes. And what years were the? What did they win? Uh, eighty nine and ninety. Okay. So when yes. the Bulls got past them, they won ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. Okay, but it was the bad boys in eighty nine, ninety. Yeah. Yes. So it was Isaiah Thomas, right? Bill yeah. Lambeer, uh, um, Dumars, John Dumars. Sally. Yes. There was some great players. I think Mark Aguirre was on that mm-hmm. team too. Mm-hmm. So there were some good teams. Just a physically dominant team. Mm. Right. And when the Bulls lost to the Pistons in 1990 i believe that's when jordan started to change his workout routine and start weightlifting more and he started to bulk up because he had to and you think of like the signature shoulders like how like defined his arms are that came from the bad boy pistons so because you told me something the other day where like the pistons some guys came in their job was not to dribble it was not to (laughs) score it was not to pass it was to foul jordan exactly Because the first foul counts. Right. Everything after doesn't. (laughs) So they'd get these guys like Rick Mahorn. Yes. Who really couldn't. Like, he's just a big physical guy on the inside. An enforcer, really. He's a goon, yeah. Yeah. So he would just knock people on their butt. Yes. And that's that was his job. Like, if you come in, okay, Lambeer fouled him at the key at the very top of the the arc in the basketball court. And he's still charging towards the basket, hoping to get the the and one and maybe score again. Right. Well, just push him down. Right. Like, put him on the ground because the basket won't count. I mean, right. the foul has been, been committed. Yeah. Right. So, in a lot of ways, very, it's a very coming of age story for a player we consider the greatest yes. of all time. Yes. And small caveat: the man who designed that defense, Coach Chuck Daly, Chuck Daly, coached oh. the Dream Team. Right. I and was that. one of the toughest parts for Michael to get over. Really? And they ended up playing golf like every day. So <laughs> I just great. love that story because I like the great. bad boys. I like the Bulls. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, with that, we will stop talking okay. about Jordan. He could be his own podcast. So my official pick for number one, Michael Jordan. Yeah, right, I'm on, the, on clock. the clock. Well, I might have to take my sweet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, for me, it's an easy pick. It's Hakeem Olajuwon. He's coming from Houston. Originally, he was picked by the Houston Rockets. Um, but Hakeem Olajuwon, just a little bit about him, played 18 years. He was the first pick of in the first round. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a 12-time All-Star, two-time champion, two-time rebounding champ, three-time block leader, 12-time All-NBA, one of the top centers in the league 12 years in a row, or 12 years out of his 18 years, mm-hmm. nine-time All-Defense, 
two-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-time finalist MVP, and as well as the 93-94 League Year MVP. Wow. He is most renowned for his blocking of shots. He averaged 3.1 blocks per game and actually is the all-time block leader in the NBA. Uh, he is almost 600 ahead of second place, Dikembe Mutombo. He has 3,830 blocks to his so name. let's just stop there for a minute. Yeah, please. 3.1 blocks average oh. per game. Over How his many... entire career. That's amazing. And and he played 18 years. Yeah. How many blocks would you see in a game today? Like an average oh, game? Oh, yeah. Maybe I, a couple? You know, yeah, that's a good <clears throat> question. Because I, I bet you could see, and don't let these numbers like, inflate mm-hmm. too much like i bet we'll see five or six blocks, blocks but that takes game. over like five different players right or maybe if you have a really tremendous shot blocker maybe two yes i think rudy gobert one of our better shot blockers in the league right now averages around two so to, to average 3.1 blocks it, yeah. in your career is ridiculous i mean oh my gosh yeah and one of the things that i always found so interesting about hakeem and even in the broadcast they talk a little bit about it and some of like the draft diaries when people are ramping up for the 84 draft he was a soccer player first. He was a goalie. Wow. So his he was a fo- goalie? He was a goalie. So <laughs> oh he was... And a seven-foot goalie? Well, I, mean... I think he grew okay. <laughs> think okay. before he came over uh, to the United States. But at the same time, you're thinking, or at least I should say this. I When I think of Hakeem, before the defense, before the blocking of shots, immediately when you see him on the floor, his footwork is impeccable. Okay. He's got the best footwork of any center probably to ever play the game or close to the top. Right. Um, he is kind of the sage of the modern-day NBA. I would say since about 05, um, Dwight Howard, Amari Stoudemire, these great you know, back-to-the-basket players that relied on footwork went to him. He is kind of the king. He is the man that you want to talk to about that. He is considered to be the perfectionist of it, and that perfection created the dream shake. The okay. signature move where right. he would just kind of shimmy his shoulders, and he yeah. was so fast, people would bite before the move actually happened. Wow. So another one of these players that, like Jordan, he had his own signature brand just by playing his own game. And again, like it's so funny to say that we'd be talking about footwork that makes you an amazing player, but it's right. usually the most basic things that separate you from the rest. And Akeem is definitely the picture of that. So do you think he like is the last true, like, great center I mean, oh that's or a do good you think question there have been, like Shaq I mean yeah seeing, you know. I would say Shaq like Shaq <clears throat> okay. in a, from the early 2000s yeah um one of my favorite like topics we used to talk about back in college was if you could have any player like your life is on the line right and you have to win a game Shaq is top three probably. I'd probably put him top one because you see. know you're getting 32 12 yes. and maybe two blocks like he is right. just that immense the problem was he just couldn't stay healthy and keep that body of work oh. and he kind of fell apart as he yeah. went along right but i do think Shaq is kind of where we start to cut the line off i'm sure other people will disagree and maybe go dwight howard even though he didn't have a post move to save himself but right um i shouldn't be stirring that up <laughs> <laughs> um, this is yeah. just me um but i i think hakeem is kind of like the godfather of modern day centers like this is the guy you want to emulate Right. Because of the speed, the power, Shaq infamously has said, you know, he is the toughest guy he ever had to play against. Right. And I think that says enough about him. Yes, yes. Um, I thought I had one more point on him, but I think we'll probably just move on because we got a lot of draft to yes, cover. This is do. the 84 draft, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're on the clock, Greg. Okay, I am on the clock. I am going to – and just real quick, um, yeah. just so people know, 
Um, Olajuwon was drafted first yes. in the draft. and um, A part of a famous team in Houston called Phi Slamma Jamma. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with the third pick overall. I'm going to go to Sir Charles. I'm oh, taking Barkley. Oh, nice. Yes, I love Barkley. I think he's... That's a good pick. And you know what? I mean, <clears throat> I like what you were saying earlier about... Um, how he had the trash can set up on each end. Yeah, you know? and he I would mean, run it off and run it off. <laughs> but um, honestly, he he's one of the. And again, I I you know kind of grew up watching him. Yeah, but he was kind of the first. This this is this started the whole era of. Um, maybe this isn't a good way to say it, but like NBA celebrities. Like yes, he was the that's a good point. I mean Jordan, of course, too. But but um, but Charles you know, says like I am not a role model. Yes, and continues to be a celebrity to this day. Yes. And Michael, you never see him. Right, you never see him. But Charles is, he he was kind of the first, I mean, you had Bird and Magic and stuff before that, but still, Charles was really kind of the first, like, celebrity. Yeah, he was, like, gripping. Almost like like he took Dr. J and, like, was a different version. Like, he reached through your television, whereas Dr. J was, like, very presentable. Charles was, like, in the commercials, like, in your face. Like, he was very much a personality. He was almost a, like a, I don't know, like a cartoon character almost <laughs> like he was just so you never knew what would what charles would do you would tune yeah. in just to see charles you know and so why don't you give us some stats about charles he yeah. had a great career yeah well he's a hall of famer he's 11 time all-star hmm. he's got one rebounding championship to his name meaning he led the league in rebounding one year see that surprises me. that is surprising I thought it would be more but go ahead i know um We'll get to his nicknames, and you'll hear rebounds <laughs> said quite a bit. Yeah. He is 11-time All-NBA as a power forward. He is a All-Star MVP, and he is the 92-93 MVP. Now, a lot of people do say this is a pretty light resume for such an incredible player, but he is squarely in the Jordan era. This is yes. Jordan's time, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's amazing that Hakeem Olajuwon won two titles at all in the middle of the Jordan era, which we can maybe talk about later. But let me finish up these stats because he does have some surprising stats. Uh, and I really want to make sure we leave time for these nicknames. <laughs> He's got 22.1 points per game over his career average. That's good. He averages 11 rebounds a game, really closer to 12, and 3.9 assists. So very well-rounded player, no pun intended, <laughs> as well as just a really solid guy that you could throw onto a team. And he was athletic enough and he was smart enough that you could kind of put him in and you are going to get a good offense and a very good defense. The thing about him, because I think he's only like 6'4", right? Yeah, I should double-check that because I've always been told he was 6'4". Okay, and that that was the thing that surprised me a lot about him is, um, you know, you'd have these guys coming in that were 6'8", 6'9", 7 feet, and I'm thinking 6'4", how could a forward be 6'4"? I know, but yeah. He, but he was so dom- he was so he was so, like, just solid. I mean, the guy was huge. And that's kind of how he he was able to play a power forward position. Yeah, um, I have it on Basketball Reference. He was six six, hmm. but I I actually have heard more six four. Yeah, I, I've seen that been said many times. And he is an undersized power forward yet to be still considered one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. at that position, it's just unreal. If he played today, what position would he play? You know, that's a really good question. Is there no position for him today? He might fall into that zone because I could see him dribbling the ball up and taking hold of an offense, but I could also see him play um, the five position too. Right. I think, yeah, there's a very real possibility that he's just a a just well-rounded, powerful, physical athlete that you can just roll out there at any point. I would say 
he's probably going to be treated more like Kevin Love was back in 10, 12, 13, yep. where you just want him around the basket rebounding. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a really good question. I might mm-hmm. have to think about that. Okay. We'll have the listeners think about that and send right. that one in. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, let's just talk about one thing that I know jumped out to you, but Charles Barkley <clears throat> is not shy for nicknames. He had a ton of them. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, the most common is Sir Charles, but yes. let me let me label off a couple of them Before here. you get there, oh, yes, do you yes, know yes. where the Sir Charles came from? I do not. Oh, so Go I remember. So, again, this gets back to – when he was doing commercials and stuff, right? Okay. That's kind of, I mean, in a way, that's sort of how he got his popularity, not from yeah. playing basketball. So he did a <laughs> he did a commercial. It was for a deodorant. I don't know if it was Old Spice or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But he was he was the the commercial took place of him sitting in like on the English throne, right? And he was this because he was known as kind of a. a not a dirty player, but he's just rough around the edges kind of guy. Yeah, he was a bodacious guy. So the commercial, area. the whole point of the commercial was <laughs> it was the Sir Charles being all prim and proper, and it was funny because it was like it's so not Charles Barkley. So they called him Sir Charles on the commercial. That's They're like brilliant. Sir Charles, yeah, yeah. So that's where Sir Charles <laughs> and comes he's from. still Sir Charles. Like, he is. He still yes. is. Absolutely. Um, but let's. Oh, well, that that's a good story. Now I'm just going to rattle into these. <clears throat> Right. Let's talk about the round mound of rebound, the <laughs> yep. chuckster, yeah. the chuck wagon, mm-hmm. the prince of pizza, the incredible bulk, yep. the leaning tower of pizza, bread truck, boy George, <laughs> love boat, food world, the Crisco kid, oh, that's my personal favorite, the wide load from Leeds, yep. ton of fun, and the good time blimp. Perfect. Yeah. Don't you want to know who were the who were the guys that were calling that? <laughs> Probably at his Auburn games, just oh, like yeah, yeah the yeah. wide load from Leeds. Yep, yep. He, he's yeah, he's just. But you know what? That's what makes Charles Charles, right? It's yeah. like he's he was kind of the punchline of jokes and stuff, but he kind of embraced it. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he was sort of like he was like, okay, I'll be Charles Barkley, and was yeah. just had a great. I mean, sixteen year career. That's that's amazing. So. Yeah. One final story, just because you brought mm-hmm. up that Sir Charles, yeah. one of my favorite Charles stories. Okay. They're doing an all-time NBA All-Star draft, and he's on TNT. And it's like him, it's like Kevin McHale, I think Reggie Miller's there, Chris Webber, right. Kenny the Jet Smith. And they are drafting their favorite players, like an all-time list. Like if you could start from day one. From day right. one, who okay. are you picking? So it's like Michael, Bird, Magic, Kareem, Bill Russell. Yep. You know, Those are the guys we're talking about. And who do you think he picks first? Does he pick himself? No. Okay, who does he pick? Allen Iverson. <laughs> what? And immediately, you kidding? Everyone just erupts like, "With what? <laughs> what are you doing?" And Reggie Miller has like the second pick, and he's like, "I know who I'm picking," like super loud. And he's like, "I like him. I like oh, Allen." And you're like, gosh. "What?" And immediately, immediately, it feels like. Every TV network, or at least I was personally, I was like, I'm never watching basketball on a different channel ever again. Like, I'm never tuning away from Charles Barkley. entertainment, yes. No, he is like the perfect athlete that never truly faded from the light, Mm -hmm. but never like did anything too crazy where we could hate him. Like, even when he's railing against the Suns, his own team, you're lovable. Totally lovable guy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll continue down. You chose right. Charles Barkley. I have the fourth pick. You have the pick. fourth pick, which is, I don't know. Yeah, I thought you were going to do something funny with the third pick because we were talking before this that this draft is so mm. loaded. It's, it's I, I could have picked ten different guys yeah. and been happy with it. So. Yeah, but Charles, I think, is the right pick at three. Yeah. I really do because the next guy 
who I'm going to choose is John Stockton. Ah, that's um, who I was going to choose. Yeah, yeah, John Stockton out of Gonzaga. Little known uh, school at the time and mm-hmm. little known point guard. But a little bit about John Stockton. Let me just pull it up here real quick. John Stockton is a Hall of Famer. He's a 10-time All-Star, 9-time assist leader, 2-time steel champion, which is interesting when I get to another number here in a bit, 11-time All-NBA, 5-time All-Defense, and the 92-93 All-Star MVP. I threw that in there because he's so unassuming. Like My favorite story of John Stockton is he's on the Dream Team. He's in Barcelona. They're driving by the Rhombus. He's about my height. I would say he's about 6'1", 6'2". He got off the bus with his family and just walked the rhombus, and no one knew who he no was. No one knows who he is. A yeah. very unassuming guy. Right. Um, he is the all-time assist leader and steal leader, which is amazing because he only led the league in steals twice. His wow. longevity and his consistency on the defensive side paid off, and at the highest point of his assist average, which was 89 to 90, he almost averaged 15 assists a game. He was wow. 14.5. That is ridiculous that's, for a point guard. That's you'd never see that. No, today. You, you could never. Yeah. And he wasn't that. You know, he was okay not scoring. I was right. telling Greg before this thing started. Sneaky good shooter, mm-hmm. incredible shooter, and he could have probably been more similar to a Steve Nash, not just body type, but also right. in mentality of here's this guy that can shoot threes and get in the lane and also assist. He's just a really well-rounded point guard. He's what you're looking for. Um, Reggie Miller liked to call him dirty, but he's just a really smart dude. He understood how to work the floor um, and was the main focal point, along with Carl Malone, uh, of a jazz team that was competitive all the way through the 90s and made it to the finals in 98. I remember that. Would you say he he was one of those players, and you hear this sometimes, where he can see the whole court all the time? Like he, yeah, you know, he he knows where, and I, I know some players are like this, where doesn't necessarily know where the where the players are standing now. He knows where they're going to be, right? He knows where to pass the ball because a guy will be there, not is there now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he is that cerebral. There certainly are plays. I, I would say this, though. I think of him more on the defensive side than I do offensively. And I know okay. that's kind of a weird thing to say with the assist being so high. But I think you're right. I think he was just that cerebral and he understood where players were. And then this was a conversation I wanted to bring up with you just because in 85, Carl Malone comes into the league, his famous running mate, yes. second all-time scorer. Is Stockton as good as we think, or is he as good <laughs> because of Malone and vice versa? Is Malone as good as he right. is without Stockton? I, I, I love that question because you don't know the answer. Yeah, you, you will I never know the will. answer. <laughs> but I, I think you have to say both Stockton and Malone. And again, that was always, the two names are, are you, you can't say one without the other. You yeah. Know? Um, Stockton Malone, that's all you heard about in the 90s. But I think they both got better, they both had better careers because of each other. And I think neither of them do if, if the other one isn't there. I, I just think they, they complemented each other so well because um, Malone was a power forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Stockton is this incredible uh, point guard who they just they just worked so well together for so many years in Utah. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think the answer is he wouldn't have these numbers if it wasn't for Malone, and Malone wouldn't if it wasn't for Stockton. Yeah, and then follow up question, um, and those that watched the Last Dance will probably think of this too. What do we make of that '98 Jazz team that made it to the finals? This is one <laughs> of those teams that. 
we have the Bulls with Jordan, and we have the Houston Rockets with Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler. Is this Jazz team properly ranked amongst the 90s teams, or are we just mm. looking at one of these teams that, you know, they just happen to be the bait that, you know, the Shark gobbled up yeah. at the end of the season? Do we think of them as an all-time great team in the fullest, or are we just kind of propping them up because Jordan is just that great, it feels like he should have the rival of that? Mm, I know I, it's a yeah, tough one. It, I would say they're they're not in the greatest team of all time discussion. Yeah, um, I think it, or they're just the nineties. Like when you 90s, think of the nineties, yeah. do they rank in your top five? I think so. Uh, me yeah, too. I think so. Because it's hard for me to put them past three. Right. But it seems like the longer and further we get away from there, the discussion of John Stockton and Carl Malone are not as great unless they're together for some reason has lowered the stock on this team. And I think that's just kind of an interesting conversation to see where we'll be in 20 years. Right. And we look around and we're like, you know what? That Orlando magic team was something better than the jazz or something like that. Um, But I think we should move on because this is where the draft really starts to get difficult for us. We've gotten a chance to talk about some of our hall of fame friends. um, But with this fifth pick, I'm curious to see, what you will do okay so the fifth pick this is tough because again there's so many players that could i mean could be a great player for our for the team right yeah um i'm i'm really big into players that had an impact for a long period of time yeah and not that they're necessarily the you know one of the greatest players of all time or anything (laughs) but i think i think having a player that is just there day in day out the longevity is is ridiculous you would never see that today i I love that about some players so i'm actually gonna gonna go out alone here and i'm gonna go with sam perkins oh i like that yeah i mean he he played with jordan at unc right Um, yeah so obviously kind of in the um in the shadows of jordan for sure (laughs) But he, you know, he, again, he's one of those players where back then, sure, you heard Sam Perkins all the time. You don't really hear him in discussions much now, but he did have a great career. And, um, you know, if you want to maybe hit some of his, his highlights here. Yeah, because this is one of those players that we we kind of talk about because longevity is super important, clearly. Yeah. And Sam Perkins <laughs> is one of these names that is just around the NBA forever. So mm-hmm. I understand why you take him here. Um but let me just pull up a couple of stats on him. The main thing about Sam Perkins, of course, this is where I scroll forever, is he averaged 11 points or 11.9 points per game, six rebounds per game, and an assist and a half. He's remembered for just being a really gritty kind of an Iron Man player. I did want to point out he's never averaged more than 10 rebounds in a game, which seems kind of funny when you think of that gritty identity. Um, that he was never the greatest rebounder, or at least he was never pulling them down as often as you thought. But I understand this pick. He's a consistent player. He's got durability. He comes from a good school that understands how to play basketball. He's just a true blue basketball player, and his career proves it. He played all the way through the 80s. 
90s and even into the 2000s. Right. So right. I think that's a safe pick. I think that if you're sitting in that position and you just need a player on your roster that you know is going to be there, mm-hmm. who's not going to be too much of a head case and it's going to be good to manage, you pick Sam right. Perkins. He's slow and steady. You know? <laughs> he just, he's always going to be there. And, you know, 17 years in the league, crazy. Yeah. He was the fourth pick overall yeah. in that draft, which, you know, obviously he's he turned out to be a great player. But yeah. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, you talked about him shooting threes and stuff like that. Oh, that's really right. before threes became um really the the shot of, you know, the choice, right? I mean, yeah. that's all you kind of see now are our guys chucking up threes, but you know, he was in a way maybe a little bit ahead of his time um because he was a he was a, you know, good three-point shooter. So Yeah, there was the years in particular that I noticed is from 95, 96, 97 and even into 98. He was averaging between four to three shots from three a game. Wow. So clearly um, he was playing for Seattle at the time. Yep. They were getting to him and saying, hey, like this is a shot that you can make. Right. And he was averaging almost 40% from three. Yeah. So definitely one of these guys that I think we remember him for being very steady, for being a nice rebounder, good player, probably not as great as maybe the legends proceed, or at least for me. Right. That's how I felt because I always thought of him in the Jordan context. He's kind of in Jordan's shadow. Yeah, like know? a little bit from that team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but certainly a guy that maybe if he played today, oh my Lord, oh. and you just give him a shooting coach from three. Yes. He's the perfect player he's you'd want. He's the perfect guy for that. Yep. So I really like that pick. I think that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Perkins. Yeah, goes off the board. So now what are we at? We are at pick number six. <clears throat> number six, you are on the clock. You see, this is really tough because... <laughs> It is tough. I, I wanted I want to do an upside pick, and I want to do a real pick, and I think I'm going to go with the real one, and I am going to select Alvin Robinson uh-huh. out of Arkansas. Okay. So a little bit about Alvin Robinson. He is most widely known for his defensive presence on the floor. I think most people recognize him from the San Antonio Spurs. Um, but just some basic stats. He's a four-time All-Star. He's the three-time steal champ. So he's in that range with that John Stockton. He's incredibly smart on the defensive side of the ball. He is a one-time all-star, or all-NBA, excuse me, six-time all-defense, 85-86 defensive player of the year, and 85-86 most improved player of the year. He averages 14 points a game, five rebounds, and 2.7 assists. That's insane. In the year he won... Defensive player of the year, he almost averaged four steals a game, 3.7. So he's an incredible player. The only downside to him, in my opinion, is he only played about 10 years, and he didn't play too many quality years. He actually had a back injury for the final, excuse me, the second to last two years. So from 93 to 94, 94 to 95, and then he tried to play in Toronto at 33, uh, and that just didn't seem to work out. He retired after that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, he was one of these guys that had an amazing impact on the floor, but just really didn't get the full career berth that you'd want out of a four-time All-Star. Um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast that we have some like things that we say to each other just to make it easier to communicate. Uh, this is what I would call a Comet player, a guy that crosses you know, across the sky so mm-hmm. quickly. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, can you remember Alvin Robinson? Yes. The, the stereotype is Derrick Rose. Like Derrick Rose comes in the league, it's incredible. And then he gets his injuries and he's gone and he's a different player after that. Wow. Alvin Robinson is one of these guys, at least to me, where if he's consistently on this side of the, def- or this well on defense, 
he's probably a name that more people know. So why didn't he have more than two or three really good years? I mean, what happens to players? Yeah. Just they lose a step or... So this is where I'm going to like... Yeah, this is where I'm going to like defer because when I look at his stat sheet, his second year in the league, he's averaging almost four steals a game, 17 points. Next year, three steals a game, 17 points. Uh, Almost 20 points in his fourth year, and he's averaging three steals. I mean, he's consistent all the way up until he goes to Milwaukee. Probably two years after he gets to Milwaukee, um, he starts to slip a little bit, and he's having back injuries. And this is where I wish I could kind of lean on somebody that actually watched, because we don't get a ton of time to do this research. Right. But I'd be interested to see what else was bugging him, because when we look at the sheet, I mean, he's playing consistent games. He's playing over 60 every single year until he gets to... 92 93 and he's playing for milwaukee he plays almost 40 games there mm-hmm. and 40 games is not low at right. least for a guy like this and they plays 30 in detroit two years he's gone with a back injury right and then he comes back to toronto plays what is that 69 games 69 games and then he's gone yeah. so i would like maybe you know if you're listening right now and you know more we'd love to hear the story from your perspective, because I think that's the better way of telling it. It's just as a fan's perspective, looking at this player's career. Yeah. Yeah. And and you do see players like this, right? Yeah. They have two or three great years and then they just kind of drop off for some reason. I don't yeah. Know, who knows what it is, right? Exactly. So. You just wish that there was more. Um, but yeah, I really like Alvin Robinson. I liked learning about him from this draft. He was not a common name that I had heard of, uh, except here and there with some all-star selections, but to get into his stats, He's an incredible player, and he really deserves to be this high in the draft. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's a he turned out to be a great player. So yeah. All, All right. right, I am on the clock. <laughs> yes, I am you on are. Pick seven here. Yeah, fine. And it's and by the way, speaking of pick seven, Alvin Robertson was pick number seven yeah. in the '84 draft. So, um, all right, I am gonna go out a little bit out of bounds here and go with Otis Thorpe. Oh, that's a good one. <clears throat> yeah, I Otis like that Thorpe. pick. He's um, he was the ninth pick overall out of Providence. Um, he played 17 years um, again. And, you know, I, I just think these guys that played 15, 20 yeah. years, it's like, would you see that today? Probably not. I mean, or just not the same quality, not the same years. quality. Yeah. They may be a bench player for three or four years, but yeah. But or they're guys, only playing like 42 games. Yeah. And it's right. Just like, okay. Right. Yeah. So um, give us some, give us some stats on Otis Thorpe. Yeah. So Otis Thorpe, some notable mentions is he's a one-time all-star and one-time champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won a championship with fellow draftee Hakeem Olajuwon uh, on the first championship run they made. In Houston. In, yes, yep. in Houston. Okay. Um, he averaged 14 points a game, 8.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists. And one thing I thought we should mention is he shot really well from the field. He shot 54.6%. So really good player, smart, knew how to take his shots. Solid role player. That's what right. I want you to think of when you think of Otis Thorpe. Solid role player. Also played an incredible amount of games. Just unreal. And this does not include playoffs. But I think it's incredible that, one, he played all 82 games in the regular season nine different That's times. Amazing. That's insane. Yes. Over 17 years. Now, on top of that, five plus years, or five more of those years, he played 70-plus games, Wow! so almost 82. Just yeah. the picture of an Iron Man when He's it comes like to a Cal guy. He's like the Ripken Jr. of basketball. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He was always out there. And he's always discussed as a very good player, and I think it's fair. His numbers reflect that. 
There's a couple years he's better in scoring, some years he's worse, but he's better in rebounding. He always found a role on a team. Mm-hmm. The only thing, and maybe you can clarify this a little bit more, is he's traded quite a bit. And he's a valued piece that teams feel they can use, but never enough that people want to hang on to him. Right. So I think that's just kind of where he belongs in the draft. I think this is a perfect place for that kind of a player. Um, infamously traded for Clyde the Glide Drexler mm-hmm. that came back to Houston with his former teammate in Houston, um, Hakeem Olajuwon. They were went to college together, and they won a title together in the NBA. Yep, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I totally agree. Great role player. Um, and even if you look at – I mean, if you look at NBA teams – really since the beginning of the league um you always had the you know quote unquote superstars but you need to have the role players you got to have other guys that can come in and play 10 minutes maybe 15 minutes um just to fill up some time to give i mean there's always a role for everybody right yeah so he he fits that perfectly he came in he he played the role that he was he was handed and did a great job with it i mean 17 years that's that's amazing 17 years in the league unreal yep unreal also (laughs) fun fact was drafted by kansas city kings right which i think is kind of crazy Yeah, before they moved to to sacramento the kansas city kings wow i love it history right in front of you there you go all right so all right. You were just picking that pick, so yep. it's back to me. I think <clears throat> I'm going to take an out-of-the-box pick as well, a name that most people probably don't know. Um, but I have decided to draft Oscar Schmidt. Whoa. He's way okay. down on the draft board. <laughs> he was picked originally in the sixth round with pick number 131. This is a real outlier wow. here. <laughs> wow. But the reason I want to pick Oscar Schmidt is just a couple of things that I'll run by you. Uh, officially, he never actually played a game in the NBA. And this is where I want to take creative license. <laughs> okay. This is where I want it. I will because, allow it. <laughs> all right. I'll allow it. The reason is because in order to play in the NBA, you are a professional athlete. Oscar Schmidt is from Brazil. He played internationally. He wanted to represent Brazil. So when he was drafted, he declined to play in the NBA so he could maintain his international opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. And thank God he did. Right. Um, he signed with the Nets, but never actually played a game to keep international rights for Brazil. Like I said, sixth round, 131st pick. Unofficial scoring leader all-time in basketball. Wow. With 49,737 career points. That's over 10,000 more than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the leader in NBA. Oh, my gosh. In the NBA, excuse That's me. That's amazing. All-time scoring champ of the Olympics. In the 84 Olympics, he set the bar with averaging 42.2 points per game. He infamously came to the United States for the Pan American Games and beat USA in the USA. Wow. He put up 46 points. I believe 37 of those came in the second half against (laughs) a team including Hall of Famer David Robinson, Leon Wood, who was in this draft, a very talented defensive college player, and Danny Manning. Wow. Larry Bird recognized him as one of the greatest scorers of all time, and he is the original inspiration for Kobe Bean Bryant before he came to the United States and saw Michael Jordan play. Wow. He originally played most of his minutes in Italy, which is how Kobe found him. Okay. Uh, he also played a little bit in Spain as well as in Brazil. But truly, the reason this pick and the reason I want this guy is he's in the Hall of Fame currently, and he scored buckets. All the time, wow! no matter where he was. I was also telling Greg before this, if you go back and watch the Pan American Games, he's pulling up from Steph Curry range just because he gets so excited and worked up. Yeah, he just pulls up from three. And David Robinson has a really good account of him just being 
unguardable. Like he's this weird tweening long player that was playing shooting guard, could play power forward, that could play the small forward. And because of, you know, how international players were going, he was just all finesse and he could shoot from pretty much anywhere and just brilliant player. Is he kind of like the LeBron of that era in a way where he could kind of play anywhere? He's closer to a scoring guard. I'm trying to think of somebody that just, like, he was a a thin man, uh, really wiry and tall, um, but taller for his position. Yeah, let's see his official stuff here. And, and I have a question. So yeah, he was six eight two twenty. Yeah. So he was he was drafted by the Nets. Um, was he drafted out of? Did he go to college? How did they no. find him? They just he was just an international player. Okay. The same way they would have found. Excuse me. Arivas Sabonis. Okay. He was just in an international league. Now the thing that they did in this draft that's really interesting that they still do today is you can draft the rights to a player. Okay. Meaning if he was on a five-year contract in Milan, let's just say. Sure. Um, they would have drafted his rights, but he could have finished the contract in Milan and come over when he was ready and have been signed first by the Nets. So no one else can sign him oh, okay. until they get a chance to make a deal with him. And did he have to declare eligibility for the draft? Yes. Okay, so he, he, did. he stepped forward and said... I'm eligible. I believe so. And if they didn't, and this is where another thing, like I'm just going to cry uncle. Like I don't know exactly because the rules have changed in the draft so much. They could have just said, you know what? There's this guy, Oscar Schmidt, six round pick. We're never really going to land a guy. Why don't we just say we draft the name rights to him? Right. Even if he doesn't declare for the draft and then we have him when he does. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that could have been going on. But again, in a minute's research with Oscar Schmidt, the real story is what he did abroad versus how he got into the draft in the first he had place. More than ten thousand points. Isn't than that ridiculous? That's amazing. I and mean, some of the shot making he was doing. I'm just an incredible shooter and very much a fun personality to be around. He's really funny in real life. So is he? definitely check out some of his tape if you get a chance. Oscar Schmidt, one of the legends we never get to talk about, and I really wanted to make sure he went in this draft. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and and the fact that Larry Bird said he's one of the greatest. To, for Larry Bird to say he's one oh of the greatest God. scorers of all time, I yeah. mean, wow. What, I mean, you, you can't get any better than that, right? No, and so. they played him. They played him all the time yeah. whenever they went to the Olympics. Just an incredible player. So let me ask you this. If, yeah. if the Olympics if they, if the Olympics weren't in 84, would he have then played for the Nets, do you think? I think what would have happened is, because it isn't just the Olympics, it's also the Pan American oh, okay. Games, Other it's the FIBA World Cup for basketball, right. he would have wanted to play for Brazil then too, so okay. it would have been a yearly thing for him to suit up for Brazil, and uh, he just didn't want to turn that away, there was a lot of pride in being a Brazilian basketball player, and he just didn't want to leave that. Okay, well so, fair enough. Yeah, I, mean, I respect yeah, that, and... Yeah. He's considered, he's called the Holy Hand in Brazil. That's his nickname. Wow. And he is known as the man who brought basketball to Brazil. That's so cool. And we have a ton of Brazilians now in the league, you know? And and really, he, I mean, with Hakeem Olajuwon and now him, I mean, he didn't have a lot of international no. players back then. It was it was just kind of starting. Right? Yeah. And to be that incredible and for his record still to stand all this time it's after amazing. all the amazing players. I mean, Luka Doncic is the yes. only one that's gotten close. Right. And it's been almost forty years since this draft. Wow, that's it's just remarkable. It's amazing. This this eighty four draft <sighs> is just ridiculous. It's I mean... so good for him to be going eighth on upside. <laughs> like I I have to say this. Like on the creative side of this, like I understand he probably shouldn't be going very high because he never actually came over. Yeah. But the talent alone, 
he probably should be discussed by the fifth pick. Yeah. But with our rules, we're just going to kind of go here because yeah. it feels right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. All right. So you are on the clock pick. now. I'm on the clock. So I am actually going to go with Kevin Willis. Oh, the Michigan yep, Stater. Michigan State. And I love the Big Ten. So that's why I'm picking him. I like, no, that's a good <laughs> um, pick. But yeah, he was, he was drafted 11th overall from, um, and he, it, the Atlanta Hawks drafted him, right? Yeah. Um, played 21 years. Again, Insane. That's, I, I think he might be the most. Yeah, he's the yeah, most he's years the most. played in this draft. I mean, wow, amazing. So, yeah, Kevin Willis. Um, why don't you, ben, give, give us some updates. Yeah, I'll give you the rundown. rundown. Yep. So he's a one-time All-Star, but don't let that fool you. He had a lot of impact. He won a championship in 2003 as a veteran on the bench. He is one-time All-NBA, so he was one of the best power forwards and or centers in the league at that time. He qualified for both because he played both positions. He averaged 12.1 points, 8.4 rebounds, and .9 assists over his entire career. Wow. This guy was just the picture of consistent player that you could put in the starting lineup or bring off the bench. He played 21 years, like you said, in the NBA. That's insane yes. to be thinking about. I mean, I want, I'm want. i trying to find his age here when he retired because he was 44 when he retired. Oh, my gosh. He was 44 years old when he retired. That's so that's amazing. Tom Brady age right now, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. So it's just insane to me to think yeah. that one basketball player can go that long, let alone a seven-footer who back then the health really right. never stayed up that way. Mm-hmm. I love his nicknames too, Devo, Fresh, T-Rex, Big Smoothie, <laughs> and Motown. Yeah, there you um, go. But getting back onto it, just a solid bench player, aged very well. Uh, and even when he wasn't that great of a player anymore, he provided just a very strong veteran presence in the locker room. So I think this is a good pick. I think it's a good culture pick, and I'm really glad she made it. Yeah, I think I think it's great. I mean, and you talk about presence in the locker room. We didn't really haven't really touched on that much now or so far. But having these players, these veteran players, they probably lost a step or maybe two. But just to kind of you know keep these these younger guys in check and and stuff like that in the locker room, it it, it it's not talked about a lot, but it's so important. Yeah, these teams character matters. Character matters, and and it, well, at least it did. I hope it still does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Kevin Willis, twenty one years, uh, and he was actually the eleventh pick overall, so he he went pretty high. So that's that's nice. that's my pick, Kevin Willis. I, I like it. It's it's a good value pick. I think actually. That's one of the most solid picks that actually happened in 84. Like yeah. Atlanta got a great player oh, they at sure the did. 11th pick. 11th overall. I mean, think about Look at all the guys that went before him that yeah. just fizzled out. But yeah. I know. The yeah. only player that we should bring up that they missed was John Stockton. Mm-hmm. And really, no one knew about Gonzaga. No one was scouting there. You know, I had never heard of the college Gonzaga no. until recently. Right? Funny story, not to jump years. back to John Stockton, but... Um, he wasn't actually at the draft. He didn't think he was going to get drafted. Oh, really? That <laughs> high. So he was at home, and he That's got a call. Funny. So yeah, no, like drafting has changed so much. Yeah. In the past years, so I really like that pick. All right, you are on the clock. All with right, pick number. Let's see. I think where it's ten. Ten. Oh yep, my lord. Overall. Um, this is hard because after Kevin Willis, you start looking for players that you're like, okay, can I get maybe three four five years mm-hmm. of good production right can i find something that will help my team for a short while and maybe i can move off of later i don't know let me play with my gm <laughs> hat for a bit but i think where i land is with jerome Kershey. he okay. was originally in the second round at pick 46 okay. he would have been 
an outlier and possibly cut in the modern day draft. Um, but in this draft, he's going tenth overall. Okay. He also wow. was a le- uh, played a very long time. He played seventeen years. He was an NBA champion with the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. He averaged ten point three points over his career, five point five rebounds, and almost two assists a game. Just a really good small forward kind of perimeter guy, durable player. Um, was on the floor more than not. I do want to say one of the reasons I'm drafting him in this case is in 87 to 88, when he was playing for the Portland Trailblazers, he basically averaged 20 points a game. Wow. So, and the team was not very good. So this is a guy that could play a role bigger than himself for a time, but really was more comfortable being kind of that floater, good role player, could come off the bench, be a decent starter. And just overall was very strong in who he was as a basketball player, at least statistically saying. Right. What year um, did they win? Did he win with San Antonio? Do you remember what uh, year they That's won? a good question. I okay. will pull that up in just a moment. Um, but otherwise, one of the things that I thought was really funny about him was that he, he never shot threes. He was wow. one of those players, like it's amazing to think about. He's a small forward who's 6'7", 215. That's like perfect That's shooter perfect range. Free, yeah. Yeah, he won with San Antonio in the lockout year of 1999. Okay. So t- twilight year of his career. Right. Um, so but he, did same. he overlap with Robinson and Duncan? Yes. Okay, okay. I believe yeah. so. Um, so, yeah, he was just on that team. I'm looking at what how many minutes he played that year. Um, not much. He averaged three points a game. So, okay. like, this is just him. Just kind of filling a role. In exactly. Way, yeah. He was a veteran. Um, great. I mean, yeah, I think, I think again, as I said before, having, having these role players, um, is great. You need them. Yeah. And he definitely was one. And And he, yeah. And he understood when to take a step up, when to take a step down and just kind of felt like you couldn't hang your hat on him, but you were sure glad that he was there Yeah, in a lot of ways. You're just glad that you could throw the ball to him and you knew he probably wouldn't throw it out of bounds. Again, if we have fans of Portland that have say otherwise, like we're just looking at the small bit of information that we get, like the stats would have said back then. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I this was where it gets tough for me because there's a bunch of players that kind of fall into this category of they're good, but they're not good enough that you're like, okay, yeah, like they're that's the clear-cut favorite. Right, and one thing we should mention, maybe now is a good time, is yeah. that back in 84 there were seven rounds of the, NFL, uh, of the NBA draft. Yeah. Um, and then who was the commissioner that came in and said... Eh, David, just, Stern. David Stern, this is his okay. first draft, and okay. he basically says, we don't need that many rounds. So did they change it the next year? Did they? Go I actually two? don't think they did. I think this was the first year that he's like bringing it up in the meetings, okay. and teams were very set in their ways, because I think... I think there was once 12 rounds and then okay. there was seven and then it took a long time to get it down to two and i'll have to look at what year okay. it actually happened um but modern day we have 60 picks two rounds you usually have 30 and 30 right and that's how you get the players into the league and we actually have more teams so i think the draft is far more thought out than it was back then um one of the jokes has always been there were sprinters going in this draft and there was sprinters volleyball players and, yeah and, just to like, fill, just to fill spots in a way, like, right? Jokingly, I say like there, but there really were guys yeah. that were sprinters and volleyball players going in this, and it makes this draft kind of like what? Yeah. So, um, right. I'm glad that he cleaned the draft up. It's become really fun television. 
and it just makes a little more sense not including the draft lottery before Greg gets really upset. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there yet. All um, right. Well, you're on the clock I'm now. on the clock with pick 11, and I am going to go with Mr. Rick Carlisle. Whoa, yeah, I like that. Rick Carlisle from Virginia. Got drafted by the Celtics, right? Yeah. Um, and let's let's hear some stats on him. He's, so yeah. I really like this pick. Um, most people are probably, who know their basketball, are probably going to say, wait, he was awful, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, Rick Carlisle will be a Hall of Fame coach when it's all said and done. Right. So I kind of like this pick because of his story. He played five years in the NBA. He was picked thir- in the third round, 70th pick, hmm. out of Virginia. Um, He is a champion with the Boston Celtics, the 86 Celtics to be precise, one of the greatest teams ever fielded. Larry Bird loved him. He was a super smart player. He was very clear. He was cerebral. He understood where to be. Um, Even playing very small minutes, they felt comfortable putting him out there. So I think that says a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Quickly was discovered as a coaching candidate while he was playing. He was actually traded from Boston to the Knicks. And the Knicks traded him to New Jersey to the Nets, so he stayed in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. However, the Nets waived him and actually brought him in as a coach. That's amazing. Within a year, I've never so, heard that before. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just amazing because this is a guy that clearly was brilliant from the years he was in college, and players just kind of gravitated to him. And fortunately, he was, or unfortunately. He loved the part of the court that he wasn't going to be playing on. Like, he was standing on the sideline more than he was actually on the court. Right. But I think this is one of those picks that, again, we're going to have some license to be creative here. Mm-hmm. You would love to have this guy in your locker room because he's just brilliant. He's a smart coach. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, right. but for very different reasons than playing. So maybe you keep him for two years, wave him, and make him your coach. So let me ask you this. Is he is he still coaching today or not? He is. He and coaches uh, Indiana. Indiana, okay. And he won right. a championship as a coach with the Dallas Mavericks in okay. 2010 with Dirk Nowitzki. Right, right, okay. So knows his yeah. stuff, coach of the year a couple of times, or definitely with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Um, so just a career NBA guy who understands, you know, what it takes to win a championship, really smart coach, and kind of the one of the only old-school guys left in the league that kind of keeps us grounded to this time. Yeah, and and you always hear about um, players who are great players, right? Yeah. But they just cannot coach, right? <laughs> um, and a lot of players try and they they fail. Yeah, um, but he's really the opposite. You know, yeah. he was an average player, but great coach, great you know? coach, and and just has that whole basketball mind and can and just. I mean, I love the story of him because because you don't hear this a lot, and the fact that the Nets waived him so they could hire him yeah. as a coach i mean basically that's yeah a coach is like you're waved and then brings him <laughs> in and he's coaching at new yeah. jersey i believe pretty quick and then just like that he's you know in the 2000s and all of a sudden he's he's a, a well-known coach he's yes. coach of detroit <laughs> And mm-hmm. he's winning coach of the year. And then he goes to the Dallas Mavericks and he wins a title. And now he's in Indiana. Wow. And he's seen as this kind of steward of the league where yeah. he's this figurehead that people love. Yep. Yep. I, I like him. I, I, I love the story behind him. And uh, yeah. And hey, my team needs a coach, right? Yeah, so you do. Now, now we have Rick. So. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Get the value where you can. It's not like coaches haven't been traded in the past. That's right. happened before. Yeah. All right. That's so funny. I am back on the clock. On the clock with pick number 12. Oh, this is going to be hard. Oh. I got to update my big board all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and you took Carlisle, who is not on my top 14 list. That's okay. a good one. Um, God, this is hard. This is really hard. You know what? While we're in the place of taking guys that, you know, creative license, give me Sam Bowie. 
Oh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. Okay. Sam, you know what? I'll go. Poor Sam. I'll go I feel with so you. bad for Sam. You know, I feel like I'm taking him a spot higher, but I, I really want to talk about Sam Bowie for just okay. a minute with you because Sam Bowie gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons. Like yeah. he did have injury problems and he did break his legs and he had stuff go wrong over his short 10-year career well, as a center. Just before we get into that, though, yeah. give, give the listeners... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what is the Why is Sam Bowie always the punchline of so, jokes? Sam Bowie is drafted in the, with the second pick in the first round. Hakeem goes first, Bowie goes second, Jordan goes third. Right. And it's infamous that Portland passed up the greatest Michael player to ever live yes. for a guy that barely ever played. Yes. And it was a tough pill to swallow... Because eventually, and I, I can't remember the year of the draft, but Clyde Drexler comes in, who is a Jordan clone, mm-hmm. or at least is similar at the yeah. time to what Jordan meant. Right. This athletic two-guard that could do all of these things. So Portland and Sam Bowie are kind of a butt of a joke in this draft because he got hurt, and he was never around, and he was supposed to be this franchise player, and he was supposed to live up to the name of the second pick above right. Jordan, yeah. and he never did. And Hakeem escapes with this because Hakeem wins two titles and is right. just incredible. Right. Um, and unfortunately lives in the Jordan era. But Sam Bowie is not. Mm-hmm. He averages 10 points, close to 11. It's 10.9 points career, uh, 7.5 rebounds, and 2.1 assists. He was an incredibly athletic center at 7-3. It was amazing wow. to see him like up close and personal on tape yeah. and just understand like this is a guy that could run the court as well as anyone um, injuries quickly derailed him, like we said. Uh, he broke his leg. I can't remember which part. His second year in the league, he was hurt the first year as well. He just could not string a healthy, consistent timeline together. And it really caused a lot of uh, of loss in quality in his career. Um, he still found a way to play pretty well. Those numbers aren't terrible for a center uh, that's playing as a role player. But he was he was brought in, expected to be a star. Um the big question is what could have been. Here? Yeah. And I mean, yes, he's always the the punchline of these jokes about taking him in front of Jordan, but yeah. keep in mind too, Portland, they needed a big guy. Yeah. You know, they and did. He's, he's the seven, three. I mean, he was, he was, it was the right pick for Portland in a way. I mean, looking yeah. back, it was for the time and context. Absolutely. Absolutely. They need a big guy in the middle and he fit the bill. And yeah. I, I'm not, you know, blaming Portland. I mean, obviously Jordan, you know, turned out, everyone should have had Jordan, right? So, um, anyway, but I, I, I like the pick. I think Sam Bowie is, um, I mean, yeah, injuries definitely hurt him, but, um, seven, three, that's, you know, he was, that's just insane. It's insane. And the fact that he averaged 10 points, 7.5 rebounds. I mean, it's, you know, he was a good player. If if he had stayed healthy, he would be in, you know, Maybe not in the Hall of Fame, but he would be in some discussions about that, I think. Yeah, and I before I forget, I just wanted to pull this stat sheet up of what he was doing in college mm. so people understand the context of what he was doing before he got drafted. Right. One of the things that really stands out when you're looking at his years at Kentucky is how spry and fast he was, especially on the defensive side. He had 50 steals at 7'3". 50 steals? 50 oh, my steals. Goodness. Wow. 218 blocks. 218 and that, blocks. And that's just four years. That's three years. Three years? Three years. He came out early. <laughs> oh, He's man. like Michael. He only played wow. three. And then points, he scored over, he scored a 1,285, which is a, a typical. That's actually yeah. kind of low. So he was averaging uh, 12, let's see here. 
He averaged 12.9 points his first year, 17.4 his second, and he dipped. He had 10.5 his third. Um, I believe he was also injured that third year, but people thought he was going to get better. But still, like, wow. that's insane for a college athlete to be blocking 218 shots. That's And then amazing. 50 steals. He had 131 assists career. Um, rebounds, 843. He got to the line a ton. He had 319 free throws that wow. he made out of 434. So wow. that's that's a pretty good free throw percentage. He shot yep. 73% okay. For from a big the man, line. That's yeah. good. Yep. So just overall, wow. the signs pointed to this guy being, if not a star, an incredibly worthy player for the second pick. Yep. It it was the right pick for Portland and and you know, I just I wish he could have stayed healthy. He yeah. would have been a, a great story. Yeah, so. well we'll take him on the upside. Like maybe in yeah. this this world Maybe, maybe his world, legs, yes. you know, hold up, or maybe he goes to another team. In this sure. case, I'm trying to remember who was picking in this position with, uh, what is it, the 12th pick? Sorry, I can't remember um, anymore because we're jumping. Yeah. Um, but maybe yeah. in this case, he goes to, uh, is it Cleveland for this Cleveland one? Cleveland had the 12th pick, yeah. You know, in that time, maybe it was a more stable environment, and maybe he doesn't take so much weight right off the bat, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe he's healthy. But right. this is the tough part of drafting. Sometimes it's just as important where you go as anything else and, and the teams that the needs the team have right yeah i mean portland did not need a point guard they needed a big man so yeah um all right well on to the 13th pick yeah. my final pick your final one I what am, you're gonna do oh, so many to choose from I mean, <laughs> oh, it's so crazy but, i know but don't let it make your head hurt sometimes you know, there's a couple yeah. here that you're like ooh, that looks good and then you think you're like oh, yeah i know this is, I, this is tougher than i thought I, I think I'm going to have to go. I, I want to go with Jim Peterson. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I'm going with Jim Peterson. Okay. Round three, he was actually the 51st pick overall, um, but he had a good career. I mean, he, he went to Minnesota, which I like. Um, That's nice to have a homer on there. And he was uh, drafted by the Rockets, uh, 51st pick overall. Why don't you give us some stats on Jim Peterson? Yeah, Jim Peterson. So basic notes he played eight years in the league so he didn't have a ton of time in the league Mm -hmm. but made it pretty effective while he was here uh he averaged 6.9 points a game 4.8 rebounds and a single assist that's career average um one of the things that i put on my big board that we're kind of sharing a screen on right now is main reason you want to draft him he can get you that 10.6 rebounds a game like he's just a player that at that time during that time in the nba Everybody needed a ton of rebounding, physicality, mm-hmm. interior presence. He just was kind of a smart pick at that point to make sure you sheared up your defense and stayed consistent on the rebounding right. and the glass. I have a great story about Jim Peterson. So great. my dad loved the Minnesota Gophers, <laughs> loved watching him. So he and I would watch games all the time. Yeah. And I remember Jim Peterson was on the Gophers, right? Yeah. Um, had a, I, he had a great career there. And I remember my dad was saying, like, you know, he should be an NBA player. And this was before, obviously, he got drafted. So he did get drafted, and he had a you know, good eight-year run in the NBA. Um, so that was that's kind of a nice memory. I just remember the name Jim Peterson and, and my dad wanting to uh, – See him in the NBA. See him make it in the NBA, so to speak. But um, you talked about you know a role player again. He he comes yeah. in. He gives you ten points, six rebounds. 
Um, I can I consider that kind of player almost like in the NFL, the trenches, right? The big exactly. guys that get beat up. Yeah. And and you know he was that perfect guy. He's not going to play forty eight minutes. He just isn't. Um, no. But he can come in. He no, can follow not. some guys. He can get beat up a little bit, and then come out and give give the starters a rest. Really, that's yeah. his role. So, kind of that placeholder. Keep you in the game just totally, long enough to get your starters yep. rested back up there. And no, I, I, think I even brilliant. I even see that today. Like when I watch games today, um, the stars, you know, they'll they'll usually take a um, a few minutes or more or whatever break, right? Get yeah. A rest. And and the guys that come in for them, like a Jim Peterson, um, they're not looking to run up the score. They're like, just keep us in the game. Keep you know, don't don't mess anything up, right? <laughs> keep things where they are. Um, maybe score a few points, play some defense, and then we'll get you back out, right? And yeah. that's that was Jim yeah. Peterson. So, no, I I, I think it's I like a, that you took a gopher too. Oh yeah, I, I keep forgetting that he's a gopher. Whenever I'm looking yeah. at the big board, I'm oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, he played for Minnesota. Jim Peterson, yep. yep. Okay, you're gonna make a lot of our our friends very happy with that. <laughs> yeah. So I have the final pick now final in pick. our lottery. And, and by the way, before you say that, I, yeah. my I had my final pick as Sam Bowie, so you, oh, took, you stole my thunder. But okay, it. whatever. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll make you take the homer then. Um, well, for me, actually, uh, with a couple of your picks being off my board, one of my guys that I actually had at eleventh or twelfth, I guess, because I decided to change script and go Sam over him. Okay, is Ron. Anderson. Ah, okay. Ron Anderson. Yes. He is the second round 27th pick. He played 10 years in the NBA, primarily at the point and shooting guard <clears throat> position. He averaged 10.6 points a game, 3.7 rebounds, and assist 1.4 assists. Um, small forward, shooting guard, kind of tweener in between there. Uh, very effective role player. He didn't start out the best. Uh, however, when he made it to Philadelphia, he really found his role there. Um, the big reason I'm taking him here is he averaged 16.2 points a game mm. for a while there yeah. for Philly as either a starter or a six man. Like He just kind of found his niche in that role, and that's the kind of guy I'm praying to find with the 14th <laughs> pick in this draft. It's right. just somebody that can give me a consistent oomph when I'm trying to win games. And for Philly, he was able to give 16 points a game and not turn the ball over too much and just be a good, solid player right. on your bench rotation or in your starting lineup. Yep, yep. Great pick. I mean, he's, he's again, another role player, but he played 10 years. I mean, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, 10 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, very respectable numbers. Um, yeah, so, and, and to average 16, I mean, people don't know that, I mean, well, I'm sure people know this, but averaging something is much more than just doing it one or two times. I mean, yeah. to average 16 points, that means you're that means you're scoring more than 16 half the time. Yeah, less than 16. So, it's it's not like he just came in and played a few minutes and maybe got four points or something like that. He actually you know contributed significantly to that team. So. Yeah, in the season I'm talking about in question too, he played all 82 games. Wow, and he only started 12 of them. So that's okay. awesome that he's coming off the bench. Bench He's giving guy. you some points and just consistently is giving you something because his first couple years are rough. They're hard to yeah. they're hard to forgive. Mm-hmm. And then he gets traded from Cleveland to Indiana and he starts averaging more points, but still he kind of dips. And then he gets traded to Philly. And that first year he's at Philly, he's getting 16, 11, wow. 14, 13 points a game. And then he dips back down to eight. So it's very much feast or famine on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a guy that came into the league 
fairly old. He started his rookie year at 26. Wow. So I think that's hmm. just kind of crazy to think about that that was a rookie then. Yeah. Um, and then he had a long stint internationally in France and Israel. Yeah. So just a seasoned player, knows how to play basketball, and he's one of those guys that if you're winning with him, he's probably doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. But if he's not, he's not doing too well. So I feel like that's where right. I ha- that's where I'm at with the 14th pick. So would you say, I mean, would you say he's kind of your typical six-man, first-man-off-the-bench yeah. kind of guy? I would say okay. so. He's one of those guys that uh, I'm trying to pull up his physical or his physical size. So he's 6'7", 215, so just a thin shooter, small mm-hmm. forward, nickname Andy, which I think is funny. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yeah, they've got to be making Anderson, this stuff Andy, up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just overall, I think he's a guy that can kind of fit into any team. The quality of play is in question, but I think almost any team could use a thin shooter that can give you 10-plus points off the bench, right? Um, which is a valued pick, and you'd hope that your system helps him out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like the last pick, Ron yeah. Anderson. Very cool. Well, I think we should do just a couple honorable mentions. Definitely. Um, if you have, I know for sure I have two. Okay. Um, one is Michael Cage. Michael okay. Cage was not taken. He is an undersized rebounder. Uh, that led the league in rebounding one year with 13 rebounds a game. Shocker Ooh. was he was only 6'9". He was a very undersized power forward center. Wow. Okay. And uh, you could easily say, like, if he played in the modern NBA, he'd be an awesome player to have. Your Draymond Green style of just guy that can play defense, rebound, and make sure your offense is moving the ball. Yeah. Another guy I mentioned, although we don't need to talk about him too long, is Vern Fleming. Right. Right. Vern Fleming was a point guard, mostly for Indiana. He played 12 years in the NBA, um, which is awesome to see. Uh, one of the things that I like to point out about him is that he just didn't do anything tremendously well, but did everything with a good pace. So he averaged 11.3 points a game, 3.4 rebounds, 4.8 assists. He came in and did exactly what a point guard should do. Mm-hmm. He scored a little bit, he rebounded a little bit, and he got the ball out. I believe the highest assist rate he ever had was seven per game. Okay. Um, and he led an Indiana team at the point guard position and just held the fort down. Uh, in my own interpretation, this is the kind of guy you want on your bench that can come in and just do everything pretty well to the point where you don't feel like the game hinges on his decisions, right. but it's not going to break because of some of the choices he makes. Yeah. Uh, Career was short, but had great moments statistically. So the two guys that you mentioned as honorable mentions, Michael Cage and Vernon Fleming, they were both, I mean, Cage was taken 14th overall, and Fleming was 18th overall. So you could almost argue that they sort of um, um, underperformed, I guess, their expectations um, to go that high and really be more bench players than anything else. Yeah. Eh, Maybe. maybe Or we're, you know, again, like we're looking at this through a modern lens and we would hope that other players and some of the guys that we chose are just talent picks over play picks. So Mm -hmm. yeah, this is one of those drafts that although we do complain that the talent falls off after a while, there were still guys that could produce in the league and it was a very different league from today where guys didn't have to be multidimensional. You could be a great rebounder and play 15 years. Right. You didn't even have to be that talented of a player to begin with and you could just like we were talking about the jordan rules foul a guy and just be physical like a goon in the middle so exactly talent was rated very differently back then yep i do have a couple honorable mentions 
Bob Thornton, he is actually drafted 87th overall, but he ended up playing eight years. That's um, awesome. Again, to go 87th overall and yeah. play eight years. He wouldn't amazing. go in the modern day He draft. would not. He would not be drafted. Wow. But back then he was. And then, I mean, even look at like Eddie yeah. Lee Wilkins, for example, um, for six years, and he was drafted 133rd overall. It's, yeah. it's crazy. That Played over 3,000 minutes in the NBA. Yeah. And that's that's amazing. Um, Ken Bannister, I, I yeah. recognize that name. Um from the Knicks, he again five years in the league. So, and I, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a fan of not having the seven rounds because it does get kind of long, and yeah. and a lot of these players aren't even basketball players. <laughs> but at the same time, you have these 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 nuggets in there where it's like, oh yeah. gosh, I can't remember that. I, mean, I remember that guy. He was drafted. Uh, I mean, it's the Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady yeah. was drafted 199th overall, and. It's Tom Brady, you know, so yeah. I don't know. I, I, part of me feels like they should bring maybe put a couple more rounds into the draft. But yeah. give me your overall impression of the 84 draft compared to others just as a whole. Like Shocking, one of the best. One of the best. I think it has some of the greatest names in basketball history. Although I do feel like there's other drafts out there that are more exciting just to go through. Like yeah. 96 draft with Kobe is mm, insane. Yes. And then there's AI in that draft. Ray Allen's in that draft. Steve uh, Nash is in that draft. That's mm. a really amazing one. 2003 will always be my favorite. That's LeBron, mm. Wade, Mello, Bosch, and you can continue going down the line. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. But this certainly is a draft that I think changed the NBA for the better. And this is the unofficial start of basketball changing and going away from the Rick Barry years where there's no three-point line in some years. Mm-hmm. Some years there is. It, it just became a more coherent league, balanced under stars, drawing the attention firmer in that Larry and Bird couldn't quite do. They did pretty well, mm-hmm. but this kind of sealed it. Michael Jordan took over, became the greatest player of all time. Yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon became one of the most recognizable and powerful faces in the league that we still refer to. Right. Um, Charles Barkley is still entertaining us to this day. Mm-hmm. Otis Thorpe is seen all the time. I actually think he's written a couple of books. Okay. Um, Sam Bowie, even the bad picks are yeah. good picks in this draft in right. terms of history. Sam Perkins played a big role yep. in the history of the NBA. Overall, I just think this is a solid draft. It has a reason to be considered the greatest of all time because it carries some of the best players of all time. Do you think this draft in a way saved basketball? Or I think Bird and Magic solidly get that. Okay. title okay. i do i think though that this is like when the league could finally breathe okay. it wasn't just magic and bird carrying the league right. anymore which they it did was, for years exactly right? yeah. philly got a new life like charles philly just won a title when mm-hmm. this happened okay and then they got charles barkley wow and then moses malone dr j yeah. jordan's now in the east yeah. larry bird and the boston celtics kevin McHale's coming um, we have Robert Parrish, we have DJ, we have Danny Ainge, and now you're looking, that's just the East, and that <sighs> doesn't even touch the West. Wow. So I felt like parody was born here, okay. and players started to become more personalities that you could look up at and say, like, okay, I know Michael Jordan. I'm more of a Jordan guy yep. than I am a, a Barkley guy, right. or I'm more of this guy than I am that. The choices were so much more defined than just are you Magic or are you Bird. Right. So right. I think this is when the league, as we know it, was born because – it just grew immensely because of the characters being introduced. So during the during the Jordan years in Chicago when they won all the time. Yeah. Who was their I mean, we always talk about uh Bird and Magic, right? Yeah. Lakers, Celtics. Who was the West's representative 
that would always lose to the Bulls? Or did they have a different mm. team every year? The one beat? I always think of is Cleveland. Cleveland had a really good team. You had like Steve Kerr yeah. and Echo, and um, but that was a nice team, but just athletically could not keep up. But who from the West? Like, was mm. it always? Who did they always play in the final? I should know this, but like I know yeah. they played Utah a couple times, maybe or once. Mag- Magic and the Lakers came back, and that's ninety one. Okay, that's who the uh, Bulls beat in the West. Okay. The Magic really tried to be like that up and coming team and just could never get over the hump. Okay. Um, Seattle was in there a couple times. Seattle right. was really good. Okay. Gary Payton. Gary Payton, yep. Sean Kemp. Yeah. I um, remember Xavier that. McDaniels was right. on that team. Yeah. So there was a couple, and that's that's one thing that can sometimes be hard to remember is okay, who did the Bulls beat that first like couple years? Right. Because the last years are far more like intriguing, at least. Yeah. To most, yeah. Um, with the Jazz being kind of the king of that. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good question. We'll have to revisit that at some point and talk about maybe just the Jordan era Bulls and kind of the teams that went through. Because one of right. the things that I talk about a lot, or at least used to back in school, was which version of the Bulls is the better version? Right. Is it the one with Rodman? Is it the one with Horace Grant? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a really good question. We'll have to revisit that. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the conclusion of our draft. Do you have any parting right. thoughts before we head out? No, this was really fun. I've yeah. never done something like this, and it was it was great. And all these names last <laughs> from the past, but I remember watching these guys on TV. I know. Well, yeah. and I'm excited to maybe even do another one because the next year, the 85 draft oh. is so deep. It Ewing. doesn't have the same names, but yeah, Ewing, Carl oh. um, Malone's in that draft. Wow. It's just insane. Um who's coming into the league at that point. So hopefully we do another one of these, <clears throat> but it fun. was just really cool to try. And I want to encourage all the listeners, if you want to send in your list, maybe you're like, you know what? These guys just, they don't know what they're talking about. They got it <laughs> wrong. Send us your list. We want to see it at our email at info at that's a dumb rule.com. We'd love to hear from you, but otherwise, Greg, thanks for doing this with me. No problem. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening and tune in next time for another dumb rule. Mm-hmm.